Check, check, check. Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today I have a very, very special guest. I've known this man, shit, over 25 years at least. Yeah. We'll get into that. Um, welcome to the podcast, please, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Mr. Danny Boy. Hey. O'Connor. There it is. And what does O'Connor mean again? Uh, the translation is funny because I seen you yesterday on uh, Beverly <laughs> getting one of those smoothies and I was like, I'll take a $20 smoothie with you. Uh, O'Connor in the Irish language translates to lover of hounds, which is very true because right now I got Stella, exactly. your, your dog, <laughs> getting a belly rub from me. And uh, I don't know why uh, animals and, and, and small children follow me around like the Pied Piper. If I go to weddings, I'm a big hit and I always chalk it up to being six foot six, but people are like, no, bro. Like there's other, t- they just, <laughs> uh, maybe I got a good vibe. Maybe yeah, I don't. Good vibe. Um, all right, so let's, let's start. I, I want to take it back before, obviously, you get where you're at right now. But um, born and raised, where were you born? I was born in Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, New York. And then when did you move to California? Like how? When soon? I was six. So I, I was born in Brooklyn. Yeah. At, at two months old, we got evicted. My father went to prison. And my mother couldn't pay the rent. And so we were living on Cropsey Avenue in, in uh, Bensonhurst. And so my mother said, we got to do something so she moved back in with her parents who lived in staten island so okay my early years were spent in staten island i went to ps 41 uh we lived with my grandma for a few years my mother remarried and uh we moved down the street to tyson lane's projects which was a trump oh, trump shit. senior fred trump owned half of new york you okay, know yeah, uh, yeah. and we lived in a projects right off uh, right by a masters on the highland boulevard and staten island people know where that's at but uh and then around age six, my mother was a key punch operator at the okay. Chase Manhattan Bank. Pre-computers, you had to feed it with an index card with a bunch of rectangles popped out. Oh, and that's how it knew, you know, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what you were telling it. And uh, early on, my, my uncle was in the, the uh, programming in the computer industry. And if you wanted to be a programmer, California was the place to come. And okay. uh, so we came here to California when I was six and we moved to the San Fernando Valley. And at that time, there was a lot of aerospace and military, military uh, I don't know, what are you gonna call it, industrial complex. There, yeah. there was Lytton where my mother worked, uh, Teledyne, Rocketdyne, Rockwell, Hughes Aircraft, and 20 other ones, all the rocket engines for all of the space missions they were doing were built out there. There was yeah. my mother worked on the Star Wars program, which was the our defense system against the Russians if there was ever a thermal oh, nuclear war. Yeah, they were programming for that. So to visit my mother was we rarely did, but she had a you know uh, uh, like a I don't know what top secret clearance. You had a badge, yeah. we had a key in, and you couldn't. I, we couldn't just go where my mom worked. We had to meet yeah. her out in the lobby and, and wait, and she oh, she couldn't bring us in there. So, but that's a lot of the valley. That's like the like the little hidden secret of the San Fernando Valley, mm-hmm. especially on the west side of it, is it's all of those things. They're now gone. I just went up with the LAPD in a helicopter, and we went over some of Saw those that. places where. Where they, uh, there's Nike missile bases uh, all up in the hills in Chatsworth over there by Spawn Ranch where Manson was. Yeah. And there was also a meltdown back there. And I forget, it was a Teledyne, a Rocketdyne. They had a nuclear meltdown there in the 60s. And that, that wow. ground is still tainted. And sadly enough, and, and, and I hope that nobody takes this as disrespect or whatever, but just, I mean, it's not, you know, um, Skyler, Vince Neal's and Sharice Neal's daughter died at five because they pulled a nerf-sized tumor out of her stomach because their mansion 
when oh, was up in that area in Chatsworth, and that ground is still glowing. And uh, wow, I'm shocked that people still live up there, and they do. And, people know uh, that story. Uh, of course they do. Yeah. Of course they wow. do. And I, the only reason I say no disrespect is I, I had I had ran into Vince Neil once, which everybody knows, and uh, mm-hmm. was talking to him for. He was, and I, I said, "Listen, bro, I know your daughter. I know your your wife, your ex wife. Wow. Like, chill out." He was being a dick, oh. and he got and he try to swing on me I knock him out but I just you know what I mean it's one of those <laughs> weird like I don't, I don't know why we're talking about that but so Chatsworth in <laughs> the valley it's got a crazy history and so I yeah. moved to the valley for me it was culture shock because I, I'm coming from you know Brooklyn and Staten Island yeah and then I moved to the San Fernando Valley Todd Bridges from different strokes lived a block over um, Dana Plato was in that neighborhood uh, yeah Danielle Brisois which is another 80s like TV you know movie of the week yeah. star it's just big change, you know, go to the roller rink and Adam Rich from Eight is Enough. And it was just like completely surreal like yeah. surreal. And then, you know, I spoke different. I dressed different. I moved different. And yeah. so brothers and sisters. Yeah. One sister. And, and at the time, I didn't know I had an older brother who was given up for adoption. Um, oh, wow. And that was until years later. So but yeah, just a younger sister. But it was, it was culture shock. And then my mother used to send me back just about every summer to my aunt and uncle place and we would fly into newark they would pick us up in a station wagon and then they, we would drive to springfield missouri because that's where my aunt was from she was okay. uh, grew up on a farm and if you wanted to get out of springfield Spring- missouri you joined the army back in the days and that's yeah. how they met but i definitely attribute those trips every summer mm-hmm. to my my wanderlust and uh, my wanderlust and my uh my spirit of adventure yeah. I, since a young age i was in the back seat of a of a station wagon going on a road trip and so it lends itself to touring and all the stuff yeah, that yeah. we do yeah. some people i know people you know big big guys that like you know that for years didn't like touring and it mm-hmm. was like literally needed medication and just like yeah to be able to function away from home and there, there's sure. people that you know for me i loved it anywhere is there i, I love being out yeah. now that i'm 50 i don't you know i'm like oh you gotta go hit the road it's a yeah it's a necessary evil but once i'm out there i'm like ah oh, this is cool because you know you get to window shop the world that's pretty cool you know yeah it's very it is the too. perks of being in a band yeah um, so your mom pretty much raised, <laughs> raised you guys yeah we were latchkey kids and you know my mother was always at work and i didn't have any father around my stepfather died when, when or soon after of cirrhosis he died at 35 of, of wow. cirrhosis of the liver that's how hard he was drinking so we didn't have any of the, the, that parental figure so it was easier for my mother to send us back uh, every summer which it was a great thing. I, I, I liken it to a, like a, a Glenn Friedman experience, like a poor man's Glenn Friedman. If mm-hmm. people out there listen may not know who Glenn is. Glenn is a, you know, Amazing one of my favorite right? photographers on the yeah. planet. And uh, also he, he, the executive producer of the first uh, uh, Suicidal Tendencies record. And, oh, shit, uh, that's right. He did. He lent his money, took 10 or 15 grand when he wow. was in the SMU to them to put that first album out. But if you, any hardcore punk, skate, hip-hop photo that they're his most of them all the the great stuff but why i say that is because he's from like brentwood Mm -hmm. and then started getting hired at like 14 to go to you know cherry hill new jersey to do skate photos at the skate park that used to be there and uh, they were flying him around and he was just at he was the right place at the right Right time. time for me i just was able to see a lot of early hip-hop and, and R&B stuff in New York and then be in LA where it was all skate, surf, Dogtown, uh-huh. Fast Times at Ridgemount High, uh, <laughs> yeah. punk, but a different punk. Like we had a punk gang. Like I, that People know that about me or they may not, your mm-hmm. podcast, but we, it was, I was part of that whole, you know, when dudes were gangbanging in the punk scene as well. So, but 
going to New York every year, I, w I was out there looking for hip hop stuff. It yeah. was so like the best of both obscure. You know, I'd come back and hold court in LA. My friends were like, get out of here. No way. Like, I'm like, yo, bro, I'll tell them about bands they never heard of. And then I would bring bands back to uh, to New York. People never heard of Oingo Boingo in New York. They didn't know who Fishbone was in New York at the mm -hmm. time. At the time. My, my age kids. Yeah, yeah. It, there was no internet. It was like MTV yeah. and they weren't getting those kind of looks at that point per, yeah. per, perhaps. And so yeah. it was cool to do that, to be like, you just had a whole different like, you know, uh, folder of, of, yeah. of greatness that they didn't have uh, so much. And so it really shaped who I am. And, and, I, and I'm very happy that it turned out that way, that I was going back and forth uh, coast yeah, to coast balance, at a time where it meant something. Now, I mean, you can access anything you want within the internet. I mean, totally. Two so seconds from it's, now. It's changed dramatically. And what about your dad? Your dad, you ever see your dad after he went to jail? No, I never. I met him maybe once or twice. One time I think he put his hands on my mother and I pulled his hair from the back seat. I think it was the only time my mother was proud of me. Like I defended her Holy at a young shit. age. But uh, he was an alcoholic and uh, unfortunately he ended up homeless or was homeless for a few, you know, quite some time in the end and somebody decided that it'd be fun to pour gasoline on him and light him on fire. So when I was about 17, I remember coming home from the mall. My mother's like, you got a second? I'm like, yeah. She's like, uh, unfortunately, your father was murdered. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, well, pass the ketchup. Anyway, what time's dinner? You know, like, I could, ah. it just was like a hearing about a guy you had heard about that yeah. you really never met. So he was never Damn. in my life like that. So it doesn't have that same impact if it was your, you know. Yeah. Somebody that was in your life. But it's still, uh, you know, it's, again, all of those things in the end, and I, we can get to this, but, uh, you know, um, some of the worst things that happened uh, or, or, or situations turn out to be the best motivations for yeah. doing better things. So you can let that Agreed. define you and, and it's a great reason to drink. It's like a permanent excuse for me to drink my, li my life away. Somebody mm -hmm. murdered my dad. Yeah. My mother never wanted kids and here I am, fucking pour me. And for years, that's what I did. I poured me a drink. And so these are now things that I go, so what, now what? You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're either gonna you know, accept it and yeah. move on and make the best of it or you're going to constantly point and fault everybody out for why you're not you know you're not yeah. doing what you should be doing did you start so, at a young age like so so what was that transition moving to california and then going to school here like was that a hard transition or? uh yeah i mean at first i went to military school they were like it was like a get this kid some kind of discipline and some mm -hmm. stuff and it was a I went to military school, but you, and I was just talking to a guy yesterday about this in a similar situation where he's like, man, I came from a different state. My mother remarried. They put me in a, in, in Harvard Westlake or when it was before it was both of those yeah. combined. And he's like, dude, I flunked out immediately. Cause coming from a private public schools there, the, the curriculum is like yeah. light years away from totally. that. So I went to military school and I, I mean, I, I'm not book smart in that way in the first mm -hmm. place and they were like running laps around me i, I was Damn. literally a deer in the headlight uh, i didn't know what i was doing they they held me back because i was third grade oh, i got held back the only good thing about it is in new york we start kids earlier a year earlier yeah and so by california standards i was always in the grade i should have been when they held me back okay so it didn't matter yeah but yeah it sucked i mean i just so i, I only went there one year and then i went to another school called pinecrest which was like a valley um, you know, a lot of kids went there and knew what it was. It was like, half, yeah. it was like summer camp full time. It was great. And, uh, <laughs> but that was expensive. And again, my grandparents or my grandfather was subsidizing my mother and giving her 
the money that she needed to, to you know help her do that but yeah. I, that didn't last too long before we were back in public schools but uh again i was always you know kind of outgoing and um Good bigger grades. bigger never no <laughs> never <laughs> no i didn't you know my my report cards were always like uh great potential <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but, did uh, you like any like class did you play sports i mean i loved i loved i liked sports my mother hated sports so it was very hard to find the support for that yeah and then the f- sport that she did support which was one of my favorites at that especially at that time was hockey because you got to understand in the 80s mall culture was everything in the late 70s and 80s if the, the malls were everything and we lived we always seemed to live right right near a school right by a mall and so there's always places for me to go hang out yeah so the i was a mall rat to the 10th power okay and in my mall when we got here um it was the Topanga Plaza, and there was an ice rink in there. Okay. And then we were a couple blocks away also from a skating rink. And I love to skate, and I love to both, you know, ice yeah, and yeah. roller, and I love music, and they go hand in hand. Totally. And so my mother was like, this is great. This is like a free babysitter or, you know, $3, $5 babysitter every <laughs> yeah. day where this guy can go. And so um, I spent a lot of time, you know, um, doing that and when I started playing hockey I think she liked it because it was like in a rink and it was cool in there well you were not in the blazing sun like a soccer game would be yeah, or, yeah. or baseball would be where you're like the elements are like pinning you down totally my mother's like I'm in a nice seat in an in a, you know in a cool but <laughs> that's a super expensive sport doesn't yeah. sound like it is but yeah. you hockey equipment is it and at the time too nobody in LA hockey wasn't a thing this mm-hmm. is i'm going back before gretzky got here before the kings wore black and gray Damn. they were purple and yellow hockey was like a weird <laughs> sport to california yeah. california was a soccer yeah everybody i didn't know what soccer i mean i heard a pele in new york when i was a kid he was yeah. a star but soccer we didn't play that shit so i'm like we got here and everybody's ayso soccer i'm like soccer You're playing handball and fuck shit. soccer yeah i mean <laughs> so oh. Hockey was my thing, but I'm a baseball nut. I mean, I'm a sports guy now more than I ever yeah. was. But uh, as a kid, bro, I was, again, the appeal of the outsiders when that came out was so, like, I just like going, I rode a lot of BMX. Yeah. That was my that was my thing. I skateboarded early on, but not to the, I don't, what, I know you're a real deal. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen you skate, so I know um, I was at a, at a different there was there wasn't there were skate parks back then but they were far from where i was at and yeah. so i went a couple times so we street skated a lot but it wasn't the street skating that people are doing now it was still when the wheels were like you know Super 60 millimeter soft those big squishy so you know big. road rider road runner road riders and <laughs> yeah. fucking sims pure juice and yeah i mean but for me that was the uh you know that was early on, so I did a lot. But BMX was my thing, and baseball was my thing. But I never played organized baseball in my life. My mother was not having it. She didn't have the time. I get it now. I mean, all the stuff that yeah, I do, yeah. I don't know where anybody finds time to have kids or even animals. I mean, I got a little <laughs> dog I adopted. I'm like, this guy wears me out, man. It's like, yeah. So he's getting back and forth. So did you end up graduating from school? High no. School? <laughs> <laughs> no. So is that so? Did I often tell doing- people I have a ninth grade education and it's true. I mean, I made it up to ninth grade where they kind of just, they, they, they've graduated everybody. They couldn't hold you back. They couldn't afford to hold you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you, they can't. So they put me to high school. I got to high school. As soon as I got there, I started hanging out with the Taft high school right across the street is a Ralph's and there was like this weird bank embankment. You couldn't skate it cause it was too steep, but we, it, it was like a reclining chair in a parking <laughs> lot in Woodland Hills, California. And keep in mind, this is 20 something years ago, 25, six, seven years ago, yeah, 30 yeah. years ago. The police presence in Woodland Hills was at minimal. 
Okay. It was like, uh, you could really, we used to go in Ralph's, make our own sandwiches for free. You know what I mean? Damn. Like open loaves of bread, do whippets up the thing, make sandwiches. <laughs> we were having a hoot and nobody could, they wouldn't care. It was like, wow. it was all like upper middle class. No cameras you know, everywhere. And shit. Never, yeah. never. I, don't even get me started on that. Like the Damn. Twitter and cameras. I don't know how kids do it. They're going to, everything, they <laughs> every, every faux pas is going to be recorded and on their permanent record. I'd be in prison right now if there was a, I bet, I mean, any of that. And I, I know that's another thing. I was stealing so much stuff from the Topanga uh, Plaza just to keep up with the Joneses. I remember telling my mother, I need guest jeans. She's mm. like, oh, awesome. I'm like, they're $130 for the overalls. And she was like, hold on, let me call your aunt. I got to tell her, this is going to be great. And they were <laughs> laughing their asses off. It was like... <laughs> $130 would be like your kid asking you now for like $500 jeans. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you do? You need those, right? How many, would five pairs work? Uh, 10 pairs? How many would you like? Yeah. Like, good luck with that. <laughs> and so I was like, everybody else got them. Everybody else were, in my mind, real or perceived, everybody at 16 got a, a, a car yeah. given to them. And it was like, a, usually like a, a cabulet rabbit with like, you know, uh, pull out Alpine stereo. Yeah. Uh, as many guest jeans as you could and tonsorton as you could fit in that car. <laughs> uh, went to get their hair done at salons and were do you know and had and yeah. 150 to 250 dollar uh, lower Bugatti sunglasses or Ray Bans or Persols or whatever. Persals so I, I became like a branding expert just because I was looking at all the shit I didn't have okay. and would never have. And then I figured out if I, I thought in my mind if I had those things I would feel okay about myself. And so I, the only way I could get those things was either steal them from the stores or sell drugs. And yeah. that was right around the time in high school when Scarface came out. And I saw that. To me, it was like a blueprint for what I could become mm -hmm. because I thought I could do that. Because, again, like book smart, it's not me. You yeah. know? I barely, you know, everything I do is visceral and from seeing it. Thank God now for the Internet, for totally. Google. If I see somebody do it on Google, no problem. I'm the kind of dude who buys a product, gets the manual, throws it away, and go, okay, now how does this work? <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not gonna, all the information I need is in that manual, but it's like kryptonite. I don't want no part of that. Yeah. There's got to be a video to explain this because if I read it, I can't assimilate it and put it into, into action. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm doomed, or it forces a codependency on me where I need uh, you know, a girl or a friend, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you lean on them too many times, and it, it's unhealthy. Yeah. You know? It's like, dude, learn to do it yourself. Or, or I like this. It gives me a role. I'm never leaving. Like the mm -hmm. the the yeah. It's a, it's a whole other form of uh, addiction. Yeah. You know. And so yeah, dude. None of these. I bro. I had no life plan. I could give two fucks about. And if I curse too much, I apologize. Doesn't but matter. you know, uh, I could give. I couldn't see my hand in front of my face per se. I remember a friend of mine said, like, in five years I'll be. And I was like, let me stop you right there. How do you know in five years anything? Like I couldn't see five hours in front of my face mm -hmm. and not in a bad way. Just, yeah. I was like, bro, I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning today. And I just ate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do know, but you understand most times it gasped me in an hour what I had. I had to take me a second to recall it. And so yeah. I just, it, so what did you want to do at that point in high school? Just, uh, just living. Yeah. I mean, smash ass and like just when chase partied, girls. When did you start partying? Never. No. Okay. So I'm glad you asked that. 
Because I thought it started early I was you. terrified of drugs. I don't know why. I, my, and my mother was like, she was accusing me. I remember a few times she's like, you're high. She thought I was high. It was like in third, fourth grade. I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Grade. Yeah, I remember it like, it was, it was like, what are you talking about? And then you got to remember there was all these like uh, Robbie Benson type you know, uh, specials on the television, mm-hmm. like you were, he gets high and his dad like kills him in the end. I just, they painted drugs in like a really scary way. And yeah. I was like not interested in any of that. And then plus I was like, I always credit like hip hop early on. Like I was early in a hip hop and it was yeah. like the things you didn't want to do was be like a drug addict in hip hop. It wasn't socially acceptable where in rock it might've been. It was like, yeah. to, you know, drink whiskey and snort Coke with Motley Crue would have been a cool, Totally. Like your ultimate, you know, or do crank with Lemmy and 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 in hip hop, it's like who, who you can do what you it's know. About like, that now, White Lines was like the one of the first major hits. Which one? Say, White, White Lines, lines. Yeah, and talking true. about like don't do it. Yeah, like you didn't hear that anywhere else. Yeah, and God bless hip hop for that. Now that being said, I know now most of those dudes were doing White Lines while they're recording <laughs> White Lines. Uh, a lot of the groups that you look at as like pure groups, you know, yeah. read a few of the autobiographies. It, it was, you know, it was. They weren't living what they were yeah. preaching, but that this is a very rarely people are in hip hop. Yeah, even think about that one. I mean, now a lot of them are drug addicts now talking about being. No, I know. It became that with the pendulum swing the other way with a lot yeah. of people. You know, early on, that was my appeal with with Slain. You know, it was like he was talking about, you know, he was illustrating the life on drugs. As I was like, wow, as, as I was going through my addiction, but early on I didn't. So yeah. I didn't drink until I started to go to nightclubs. And in high school, when I first got to high school, there was a club called Phases in the Valley, and it was like a new wave club. And it was a teeny bopper club. And there was a few of them in, in Hollywood, 321 in Santa Monica, um, Dylan's in Westwood. Um, Jesus, I'm thinking of the one on Beverly. Like It's escaping me right now, um, the Odyssey. Yeah. And there was Phases in the Valley. And it was like hot chicks you could be 16 and get in they didn't serve alcohol but we would get smashed in the parking lot and then go in or we sneak bottles in yeah and it was when i first got my first drunk and i had had a few obviously beers prior to that or a few sips of like cognac or amaretto or those christmas drinks (laughs) that your parents will get or my mom used to get in a candy cane and then stash and never drink and we would try to drink them and it was horrible and then i remember that first drunk I, i drank in the parking lot i drank a screwdriver with somebody who had you know vodka and orange juice and I drank it, and I was like, whew, nasty. And then I went in, and like two minutes later, whew, and my whole world changed. And in that moment, um, I had that first effect, uh, and what that looks like now as a 50-year-old looking back, I know what happened, but at the time I couldn't articulate that. And what happens is when I drink, when an alcoholic drinks, and I'm an alcoholic, it not only changed the way I look at the world, but even better, the way I feel the world's looking at me. Gotcha. It, my whole perception shifts and that's a great thing to have if you if you if you you got like that stinking thinking and you're mm-hmm. constantly so i felt uh and i got this from a, a transvestite in aa years ago who got up on the podium and said when i get when i drink i feel wittier prettier and tittier and i was like <laughs> that's me <laughs> kind of <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean but i get the i get it <laughs> like i felt wittier prettier and tittier for an alpha male that's crazy and it's yeah, no yeah, you know yeah. no bruno i'm just saying yeah. i felt like i could do this life on life's terms as long as i had a few drinks in me it made yeah. my clothes feel lighter. I, I, I wanted to dance. I wasn't embarrassed to dance anymore in public. Good confidence, if yeah. I, yeah, it gave me false, uh, you know, everything just felt like it, there was a possibility at a win. Prior to that, I felt like everything was going to be very hard and possibly everything was a loss, you know, yeah. and I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. It probably comes from a broken home. 
Totally. The instability that I felt growing up always felt like the rug was always going to be, there was always impending doom and yeah. a dark cloud and that the, no stability, the, no the, security. Yeah, the ground was very shaky and the rug was going to get pulled out at any time. And, and I, it, you know, again, um, I thought everything from the outside would fix me. You know, if I had yeah. these clothes, if I stole these clothes and rocked these clothes to school and make no mistake, when I got those clothes, I felt a lot better about myself. Like yeah, when you show sure. up at school, dripped and guests and fila and every, all the other stuff we used to rack. I felt great about myself, but it was all, it was a temporary fix for a long-term problem. And the, the problem is, is that, yeah. yeah, it's a bandaid for a bullet hole and the, the emptiness I felt inside uh, for years, I spent pouring drinks down it, uh, putting clothes on it, you know, trying to do, uh, extracurricular stuff that made me feel that I was important. And, yeah. um, you know, you find out if, if you're lucky, you'll find out that that doesn't work uh, in time yeah. to like then figure out, okay, it's a spiritual malady and it's that God shaped hole. Yeah. And it's something that you fix from the inside out, not the outside in. Mm -hmm. And then you work on that. And so, but back then I would see, bro, I could care less. I, I like to fight. I don't say that like in a, yeah. I'm like, I'm nice with my hands. Yeah, chip and on so, your shoulder yeah, too. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, it was like a tough guy thing. My father mm -hmm. was a tough guy, you know, air quotes, and, and my mother used to tell war stories about this, that, and the third, and I was always like a skinny guy, but a tall guy, and I'm yeah, just quick tall. with my whoop, you know, and uh, joined the gang early on. and you Out, know, out and of high school? In high school. Okay. First got to high school, the dudes I was all hanging out with were all coming out of a place called Rancho uh, San Antonio, which is a boy's home. Okay. So juvenile hall would send those kids there. And they would live there all week, and then they get a weekend pass to go home with their parents, and they come back. And it was a boys' home, and a lot of those dudes, when they got out, then they ended up going to Taft for whatever reason. Okay. And the kids I gravitated to were white dudes that dressed like cholos, so they looked like they looked like suicidal tendency members type of yeah. shit. You know, those uh, MacArthur jackets, slick back hair, yeah. winos, the Pendleton's, all yeah, that shit. Pendleton's and Dickies, white T-shirts. They looked like greasers. They looked yeah. like gas station attendants, mailman yeah. shoes. Dickies, white t-shirts, yeah. yeah. And so like, we were, I was like, okay, I like that. Because we had already pivoted out of that, like, guess was originally when I got to 10th grade, but soon <laughs> I was like, nah, I ain't, you know, it was like, chicks mm -hmm. rocked it more than, you know what I mean? Yeah. Than dudes, and immediately I, I was like, these are the dudes that I like, they're cool, they're hanging out, they're not going in the classroom, and they're hanging out here chilling. Yeah. I'm with these dudes, and so we started going to like, uh, we used to go to a store in, in Reseda, uh, an Army-Navy store, and there used to be one on Ventura, Valley Doughboy. And my man was like, yeah, go up to Valley Doughboy, get you some Dickies with the pleats, <laughs> take them to this cleaners, and they'll peg them for you. Because we, we, we used to taper the legs. Yeah, we yeah. didn't like them straight leg. We would taper it a little bit. Yeah. We'd go out to Santa Monica to Nana's and get Doc Martens and get Creepers and get... Nana, so, nice to work there, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Uh, you know, my whole my whole <laughs> thing exfoliated into this whole other life in high school. Yeah, you know? were they into um, punk and hip hop? Was that yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Everybody, it, that was alternative before there was alternative. You know, like when yeah. you think of like Soundgarden and 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 Alice in Chains' alternative music. Yeah, at that time. I, 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 Soon after, I ended up working at a record store. When I worked at a record store in the in the in the eighties, there was no there was rock R and B. Uh, classical, yeah. and then like if you wanted twenty four seven spies when it came out, you'd probably look in the the world music because we didn't even have reggae section. Yeah. And then when we got a reggae section, it was mislabeled so that they had to put a sticker: "This is not a reggae record." Put oh, in shit. rock. Okay, we didn't carry Bad Brains albums. If we did, they, they yeah. wouldn't know. If you wanted hip hop, it'd be in the R and B section because we didn't have a section for hip hop. 
crazy, man. I mean, the world has changed dramatically. There's so yeah. many subcategories now. So for yeah. me, anything counterculture was appealing. So punk rock, especially LA, like skate punk rock, you know, um, all the stuff that was coming out of Oxnard. So like yeah. Ill Repute, Stalag 13, Aggression, Aggression. Um, Dr. No, and then I loved Suicidal Tendencies. That was the right. first album that got me open. Like I didn't like punk, like Sex Pistols and all yeah. that stuff. I learned later how important and what incredible, you know, sure. uh, thing, but that wasn't my first, like, I, if that was it. punk. I didn't want, I wasn't, it didn't have no backbeat. I, I'm, I'm a gap band type of dude. I like a heavy, like, yeah. you know, like I yeah. like hip hop. But for me, when I heard the suicidal record, I was like, I like this too. This is new. This is nice. And I hated anything that was Hesher because those dudes are dicks. Mm -hmm. Like the <laughs> status quo rock guy was a dick. Mm -hmm. So if you were into hip hop, you were a wannabe fill in the blank. You know what I'm yeah. saying? If you were into punk, you were, you know, I don't even want to say, you know, nowadays, yeah. but F words and N words, like they were thrown around loosely and you just had to be rock or you were dead to them. And I'm like, you know, fuck all y'all. Yeah, yeah. And that was the beauty of going to Taft. Uh, I lived in a condominium building uh, that, that was split right down the middle and I was probably five units over from going to another school called Cleveland. Okay. And Cleveland was like the hotbed for like Hesher Central. And if okay. you don't know what Hesher is, it was an old like <laughs> word we used to call these rock dicks as a description, you know, as a, yeah. like a, as a, as a People put still down. use that now, I think. Right, yeah. but it's a California thing. I remember it telling is. people in New York, they're like, Hesher? You mm -hmm. know, it's like, yeah, he's fucking Heshers. You know, like, cut yeah. you, get a haircut, hippie. We just, you know, we give it to them too. Yeah. But when I got to high school, I found these guys that were, again, they were like listening to all the skate punk stuff, Agent Orange I loved. JFA, I mean, all that JFA, shit. all yeah. of it, bro. And, you know, uh, Circle Jerks, all that and California Andy's, skate stuff. Yeah. It all went hand in hand. Dudes totally. were coming out of like juvenile hall, coming out of boys home with a skateboard in their hand, looking like, you know, uh, like they just worked at a gas station in the 50s, listening to punk and listening to early hip hop. Yeah. And it was like that. That's and, awesome. and those, those were the genres. dudes I ran with, you yeah. know. And then as we started venturing out into the into the world, you know, we stuck together because we looked different. Yeah. And if you got a girlfriend at that time, and the parents saw you. They're like, "Uh, can I speak to you in the kitchen? You knew already what was coming. <laughs> like, you got to get your shit and go home because you just look different. You spoke different. Yeah. You may have bleached your hair. You may have spiked yeah. your hair. You may have slicked it back. And to them, they were mortified." Who the fuck is this guy? Why is he in my house? Mm -hmm. You might have lived two blocks over, but yeah. you didn't look like kids that lived two blocks over. Yeah, because they were still wearing like gotcha shorts and and op shorts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, per se, you know. What was your What was your first hip hop that, that really you love? Like you're I mean, exposed I, to. So because I was in the skating rink when I'm a kid, uh, obviously, um, Sugar Hill Gang came out. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't recognize that as being hip hop. I recognize it as being an odd song uh, similar to Rock Lobster mm. or pop music, you know, talk about um, pop music. Pop, it was just an <laughs> odd song that it was didn't look or sound like any other song. There's really no name for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That was hip hop. Mm -hmm. And it was based off of, you know, uh, what is it? The beat is from Chic, Freak Out. Yeah, but no, but what is... It's sampled from something else that we already know is a disco hit. So again, it escapes yeah. me off the top. Uh, so that was the first like exposure. So that was the first, but then when I heard the message, I was like, yeah, like now there's yeah. two. Now you can string it together. Now I'm starting to see a pattern. Yeah. Um, and I got to also say that Radio Clash and Magnificent Seven, what the Clash was doing, yeah. 
early on was like, and early on for me. So I didn't, I didn't, I seen those videos. And I was like, that is crazy. Cause now these two and Malcolm McLaren and, and yeah. all of that stuff, when that started to happen, that's really when I like jumped all in. Plus I always liked, for me, I missed, uh, you know, the real punk thing. People mm -hmm. in my age were still doing it, but it was, you get spit on or you get beat up if you were like, sure. uh, uh, you know, like charge GBH punk. Like I have a kid that I'm still friends with, uh, Bob Raft. They used to do him dirty in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't like that. Parents would talk shit. Like people just didn't want to see that. They didn't want to yeah. see like Liberty Spikes and yeah. your jacket studded out and nose piercings with the, t they, they were, were like, they were scared of it. Mm -hmm. They were scared. Cause now you're, you're threatening their stability in suburbia. Yeah. Because if you can influence their kids to be like that, there goes the neighborhood. Totally. So people really did him dirty, and, and, and he he prevailed regardless, which is great. But I, I didn't want no part of that neither. Like that wasn't my type of. Yeah. Again, I like backbeat to my music, so yeah. I was that wasn't my thing. Um, but what I liked about hip hop was the the, the scavenger hunt and the whole thing. Oh, and yeah. it's still what it's 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 the secret to my success. You know, air quotes if you're if you're, I'm being a bit cheeky, but anytime that there's a rabbit hole that I can go down and look for parts and then build this incredible thing that is, you know, the sum total of those parts. The parts in the, if you spread them mm -hmm. on the table, they're cool, but they're not much. You put them together, and now you're like, ah, I see it. Kind of like the Makes puzzle sense. you got on the table behind exactly, you. A couple yeah. pieces, and you're like, so what? Put them together, now you see a whole different picture. Yeah. Similar to I'm sure the kids that are a few years older than me. In punk, uh, it was similar to that for me with hip hop, meaning if I wanted suede pumas that were purple, they weren't gonna be found in Woodland Hills, California, or Sherman Oaks, or mm -hmm. or anywhere in the San Fernando Valley, you would actually have to go to the Fox Hills Mall, Fox out Hill. by LAX, and possibly risk your life, or just be, you know, like, mm -hmm. why are two white boys walking in the, the Fox Hills Mall, or this Lawson Swap Meet? But to me, it was a badge of honor. Like we went out to the Slauson Swap Meet, we copped fake gazelles, we caught some, uh, we caught some uh, Puma Clydes, we caught, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever we caught, a Kangol hat, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you know, you string it all together and then when you get your little ensemble going, because it was also money prohibitive too. Like yeah. Fila's were $100 shoes back then. Mm -hmm. Where am I gonna get $100? Yeah. And so, but I did get $100 and then all of a sudden I got a little, and then I would take, I would test, you know, test it out on the schoolyard parking lot. And then people were like, yo, what's up? Like I met a lot of kids back then. There was not a lot, but there was a handful of kids that were like B-boys too. And they recognized yeah. your B-boy. And it's like, it was like, you find your tribe that way. You know, yeah. we're all getting, we're all, we're all peacocking to find our people. We're signaling like, hey, I'm involved in this. Mm -hmm. Who sees me? Who else is here? Yeah, you know totally. what I mean? And then you got to, you know, sniff their ass and figure out if it's like, if they're official with it or not, if you want to run yeah. with them. And, and so... And then, no, he had to like kind of like take a crazy mission just to get the shit too. No, so that's like, what I'm saying. Like, we went yeah. on missions all the time. Yeah. I mean, we that was the more of a source a source of of uh, bad blood when people would go somewhere without you and they'd come back from Long Beach with records. You're like, you didn't call me, mm -hmm. what the f bro. All right, I see how you guys are. Like, yeah, yeah. missions with no permission. You ain't asking the kid <laughs> if he wants to go get records too. I see you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was it was like that, but that was the fun of being. You had to actually buy in at all. At, 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 at a hundred percent, not mm -hmm. just go on the internet and get the latest craze yeah. delivered to your door via Amazon, you know? And so I miss that part of it. And I fulfill it now with what I'm doing in Tulsa. But yeah. again, it's, it's, that's uh, deeply ingrained in my DNA as a hunter gatherer and yeah. as a Sagittarius. <laughs> and as a, pieces I, love I love that. Yeah. It's bigger. It's, it's bigger again. It's, it's, it, you know, 
So when, when did you realize that you wanted to start rhyming and stuff? Like, did you have a first? I period? never wanted to uh, realize any of that stuff. So I, I, I still consider myself a B-boy out of all the yeah. phases I've been through and all the little, you know, I was a mod for a year or two and rocking like that. And I was always like a little bit of everything. When we used to do that Mickey Mouse Club, which was our yeah. little gang, we were rocking. We looked like the Fishbone album cover. I mean, Dickies, Monkey Boots, yeah. you know, sometimes vests from a suit, white T-shirt suspenders flat tops, slick yeah. butt, whatever. It was a little bit of everything. Mixed, yeah. So I, I, I love ska and reggae and, 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 and hip hop. And it was all to me counterculture stuff. It was not the stuff you were going to find at your regular record store on the end caps. It True. just wasn't. Yeah. And it was the kind of stuff you had to go to Moby Disc to find. You know, and I love yes, New Wave like nobody's business too, which is like people are like, what? Like, I'm like, bro, you have no idea. You know, mm -hmm. my knowledge of that as well is like, you know, um, it's a sweet spot for me. Yeah. When hip hop started popping, at first I wanted, graffiti was my thing. Like I used to write in sketchbooks all day long with another kid, Matt Champy, who was my man, rest in peace. And um, that was really my, like the art of it was my love. And that's why I love hip hop in general. You know, it's got the, it's, it's five elements that make up the culture. Yeah. Uh, language. You know, at the time, you tell your mother it's fresh. She's thinking you're talking about bread or you you were a little out of line. You got fresh with you're your grandma fresh. when you said that. Watch <laughs> your mouth, you know? Yeah. Um, dance. Yeah. So break dancing when that came, mind-boggling. Totally. I used to break too. Popping, locking, mm -hmm. all of it. It was my, it was like Michael Jackson moonwalk. It was old hat to us. Yeah. In LA, people who were already doing that shit for a year or two. Yeah. We'd already seen it mad times. Yeah. So while the rest of the world was like, oh my God, he just invented a move right there. Nah. But it was impressive nonetheless that he oh, brought yeah. it to the masses. Uh, the instrument was a turntable because never in, in history had somebody used it to break beats and then scratch. Yeah. So it was an instrument of, in its own. Yeah. Um, and the, the fashion, the clothing, the mm -hmm. fucking, it signaled to everybody else, I'm, I'm, I'm down with this. Yeah. Like, where else were you going to see somebody rocking a Kangle that Probably. wasn't in like London and was over the age of 60? Yeah. Like, True. Heads were rocking. Yeah. Gazelles, they're old man glasses. It's like, yeah. and they're $280 in the 80s? Damn. I got to have five bars. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I need a, I want to, and the only way you can get those is to steal or be rich. And Gazelles, I was not rich. Man. Yeah. We used to victim. We used to go into old optometrists. They seen us coming too. They couldn't even, it was too late. Can we try them on? They were like, no, but they did it anyway because they, you know, and they were, pshung, Damn. We're out the door, bro, giggling and laughing our asses off all the way down the street. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it was. And then number five is graffiti. And then yeah, well, graffiti is the art form, and uh, and tagging and, and yeah. just the letter styles. All what that. did you write, Danny boy? Uh uh, I'm trying to think. I had a few different names, man. And I don't, Danny boy. Of course, I wrote, but I, I wrote a. Uh, cash for a long time which was like for a long time it was about a year people still remember <laughs> that too it's weird i i would i would get into something and then pivot right out you know yeah. i'd be like I, I like graffiti and then i'd hit a wall where i wasn't getting any better and then i go this sucks because i'm not great at it but i'm okay i'm, I'm i can always do a, a throwy to get by and a nice hand yeah. styles and people think and but when it came to peace and i was like it's tough it looks it's mm -hmm. a lot it looks a lot easier than it was yeah i'm gonna start breaking more and then i break a little bit but i was like yeah i'm good but only to uh if you've seen it once you've seen it a hundred times it was yeah. a pattern and then i couldn't go past that because i wasn't willing to put in the time to go and then i would pivot into but rhyming was never something i ever thought yeah. i love i wish i had it like that i used to sit down and write rhymes and they were adequate but they weren't great mm -hmm. um 
never in a million years that I think I'd spend, you know, 26 years in the fray of hip hop because I'm not an MC and I never, I never claimed to be an MC. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence when I met Everlast and he could rhyme at that level, I was like, wow. And what he was missing, I had. It was the visuals, was the was the art, was yeah, the art, was the the look and the vibe mm-hmm. and the the name that he didn't have. So you met him in high school. I met him in high school. He was one of those other dudes that if you if you know again there was a handful of us. You met Woodland Hills, right? In Woodland Hills, yeah, uh, Epic, you know, from uh, Crazy Town. Yeah, but he, he, people know him maybe from Crazy Town. He was making records in high school with Bell Biv DeVoe. You know, oh, Wolf and sure. Epic bring the instrumental, doing you know Poison remixes and working Damn. on Search's solo album. And okay, so but he was official b boy. I'll never take that away from him, man. You know, and and I, I like dude, but I mean we've yeah. had our ups and downs throughout the years. Who hasn't? But he was official, official. Like he even his whole stance was like. This, yeah. He had this poise to him, like he was a he was official b boy when many heads were, and he was plugged in to all of these cats that were coming out from other places, living in Woodland Hills, like New Edition and LL Cool J okay. and all of them, and he was in the mix with them. So this before he was early LLS on. was in Rhyme Syndicate, he was just a dude. Nah, he was he he was just he was hanging out with Divine Styler a okay. lot, and Divine was uh, was you know him and him and them got uh, Divine and and Eric got signed to Ice T's. Thing which was phenomenal, man. Rhymes what what kid, dudes? Yeah. What dudes in high school are getting signed to Ice T? Who was a god, uh, you know, at that point. Like, I did something talking about you guys on Drink Champs the other day. Okay, so it was cool. Yeah. Um. So he found him somehow, and then you met. Him I at think school. yeah. I, I think he found him through through Divine and Blau. Okay. Blau Bashar was the the dude who was producing all the stuff for Ice T. A lot of stuff for Ice T. So he was trying to bring him other acts that he could yeah. that he could sign. So. so you're 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 like from punk rock, skateboarding, hip hop, everything. And then you meet Eric, mm-hmm. who's just, he doesn't come from that world really, right? No. I mean, Eric just knew hip hop okay. and, and and probably classic rock because okay. his father or whatever. I mean, again, and I'm, he, he could answer that better than obviously than I could. Yeah. It's not my, but I felt that I was able to enlighten him or turn him on to a lot of stuff that he sure. might have missed. He was very singular in purpose and in focus, which was to be an MC. I think he kind of cut the fat away from anything else and put his blinders on, which you would do if you're going to be yeah. the best at something. Uh, I just seen a quote, you know, you see a million quotes on the internet, but some are really like impactful. And I, and it, it went something like, you know, find out what you love and then say no to everything else. I love that. And that's good because you can't keep, if you, if yeah. you cut your finger in every pie, nothing gets baked that way. You know it's what I mean? Or you don't get to eat the, yeah. And so he might've been saying no to everything else that wasn't hip hop. So when he met me, I coming out of working at a record store. Again, we stole more than we sold and we sold a lot of records. And my record <laughs> collection was like nasty Damn. because it just, bro, I was getting take money, money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, I had, so you come to my house, I could turn you on to everything. And I was taking records based off of what I thought they were too. I thought Celtic Frost was an Irish band. You know what I mean? I was like, for real, for real. I was like, oh, this looks like a cool Irish band, Celtic Frost. Little did I know, you know. First Bad Brains album I heard when I was a product manager and I opened Quickness. I didn't, I knew who they were prior to that, but it wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. And then I heard the Quickness and I liked that the the way Mackie's drums were. Yeah. It had a hip hop vibe to it. Like with the Quickness, sounded like, you know, man, man, take that hardcore. Yeah. Mash it up with hip hop. It was like just like, it had like a. Oh my God. And then I was like, I was like, dude, Bad Brains rules. But prior to that, it wouldn't have been something I would have been. Yeah gravitating towards because it just was so tinny and stringent to my mm-hmm. roller skating big 
anthem type shit, you yeah. know? I like Freak Out by Chic. I like uh, the way Nile plays the bass. I like the Gap Band. I like mm-hmm. how those big keys and, and drum patterns sound. That was always yeah. my thing. And so when I heard punk in that level, at first it was too fast and too guitar driven and yeah. not my but eventually I come back like they were yeah so eventually I come back and just rediscovered all that stuff around that era but believe See, me when I tell you I was a wizard to most kids it, and they might be rolling their eyes if they grew up with me but it is what it is like I feel like there was other kids that were also on it like that you know you yeah. had people who knew what time it was with all types of shit but I was pretty good at getting a lot of people who didn't understand that there was other stuff to be had out there yeah. and, and not only showing you it I could get it to because I worked at the record store bro what do you want come on in I'll charge you $5 for $500 worth of stuff yeah, come yeah. through my line yeah <laughs> you leave I'm, on that an, place, I'm on that place less than business you know, oh my goodness yeah <laughs> I probably still owe an amends. I, I know I do, actually. Sorry. So uh, then you meet, then you meet, then you meet Eric, and then who comes up with the name and the vision for the band? Because I know you. No, so it was already it was already a band that I was trying to do with this other kid, Baron, and a few okay. other dudes. It was just I would do. I started working for a friend of mine who was living in in in. He left. We left. We got out of school, and he started working for his father in Irvine, California. And he was like, "You could come work with my dad, and we could we could we could stay out there." I was like, "That's cool." So we ended up going out there. And it was just like, we, we had no real, the dad was hiring us just to keep us off the streets. the streets. But it was like, it was living in Irvine when you're just getting out of high school era and yeah. all your friends are, it was like living in another world where you knew nobody and it was nothing yeah. to do. So I spent hours just at the copier machine and back doing cut and paste art, making J cassette labels for the, for ones I had lost in somebody's car, didn't have the right, <laughs> it was so silly. And then I started making up fake bands and House of Pain was one of them. And I got okay. the name from an Oingo Boingo song that I had, that I had listened to and, and went to the concert and they went, again, we do need two hours. I feel bad because I didn't know we'll if come, it was we'll going to be, we'll, a, we'll, you we'll know, there's parts. so much to dig into, but the vision, it was for me. Yeah. There's a song called No Spill Blood and it's about the island of Dr. Moreau, which is the, the, you know, the, 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 the classic uh, yeah. animal farm you know, uh, what's his name? I'm forgetting. Oh, it's totally Animal Farm. Yeah, Animal Farm, the, the book. Who wrote that? Fucking no. I sound crazy. I forget we're recording it. So I found even stupider, stupider. But regardless, there's there's a song called No Spill Blood. I went to see them at the Greek. They hadn't been on stage like in a couple of years because they had a problem with like A&M Records or whoever they were signed to, IRS Records actually. And then they finally played and they went overtime and the, the stagehands were like, you got to pull the plug. And they're like, we're not ready to stop. And a guy came out and was like, guys, guys, this, they're going to quit or they're going to charge us triple overtime. And they finally said, fuck them. I don't give a fuck. You know what happens when you break the law? You go back to the house of pain. And then they kicked in this song. It sounds like a scratch. And it goes to the house of pain. And so they came from. Yeah. And I got it from that. Never thinking. I, and My so I, love that. I made a, I made a, a, a fake cassette where it said House of Pain on it. So when I, when I met Everlast again, like we had, we, he'd been in my peripheral. We weren't like tight. We would, we hung out a few times. That was it. And one day he, I had his number and I called him. He was like, yo, I can't talk right now. My mother's throwing me out. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, you need anything? He was like, I've called my girl already, but she, I'm waiting for her. I said, I can come get you if you want. I'll come pick you up, man. What, what do you need? I need a place to stay real quick. I'm like, I got you. So I jumped in my Jeep. I just happened to be in the valley, but I lived all the way out in Moore Park with my cousin. Moore Park, yeah. We were doing crazy credit card schemes, and Damn. we were so I picked him up, brought him over, opened the the wardrobe, so pick what you want. We were we were racking and doing a lot of crime, bro. Yeah, this is not fiction. This is all fact, bro. This is all like everybody will tell you about that. We're learning a lot about you today. And so I'm like, yo, bro, I gave him a fucking spree scooter this that I had so he could get transportation and 
blessed him with some some jump offs and he was looking through the cassettes he's like what's house of pain i'm like well it's nothing really it's our band and then you i guys just have kept... songs and shit no we had nothing we, we, we played like little jam shit in my mother's yeah, yeah, garage yeah. at one point and then slowly but surely he was looking for something to do because you know that the everlast thing that he was with rhyme syndicate fizzled for him you know and so i i just kept you know uh, at the time, bro, I, I wasn't, there was no, I didn't think in a million years we were going to make a group. I was just like, he's cool. I admire him for his ability to rap. Yep. Uh, at the time, man, I had my own little following, you know what I mean? And pr- bigger than his for the, the Mickey Mouse Club heads that are still in the in the world hitting me yeah. up online, still we're go- talking about shit 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I had a little, you know, my little own cult of Danny Boy going on for a year and we were always making money and doing shit. You know, my cousin worked at Tony Roma's. He's bringing home f- steak and lobsters and shrimps every night. T- so much so we're like, bro, <laughs> stop. We're good. Yeah. Like we can't have any more, bro. With no more lobsters for us. Stop. <laughs> I mean, every night it was that. And Eric will tell you that too, you know? And we was always doing credit card shit. So the, the fridge was full with cold beer. The, the, the freezer was filled with lobster steaks and, and yeah. shrimp. Uh, I, I had a car in 19. I had a car, a, a GSXR motor. I had a Jeep on, on Mickey Thompson's with the Benetton steering wheel. I had a GSXR motorcycle. I had a spree scooter that I said, you could take it to go wherever you want if you feel like, you know. And we was out there getting money and getting clothing and getting Adrian Vitadini thousand thread count sheets for the beds and Damn. and deluxe lamps and lights. And everybody knows this. Like, it's old school. That's how I really, you know, G'd off with Eric. And it was like, I was like, you... We should do a band. In my mind, was like, "Yo, I'll help you with the with the aesthetics." Yeah, you know, you rhyme. Let you us had do a vision this. for it. Yeah, and I also felt like you know a lot of the stuff he was rhyming about was it was about Mickey Mouse Club that shit. It wasn't rhyming about because he had no experience in that. And so he was able to see what we were doing with all these Irish kids. Gator was around, Justin Harris, and this, this dude, Todd Bailey, and me. And mm-hmm. I remember Eric and Todd were really good because they both smoked weed a lot. I wasn't a weed smoker. You know, I was still just yeah. a drinker back then. Yeah. But these are all good dudes, man. These are all good, wholesome mm-hmm. white boys that are like, and he's seen that for the first time that like, you know, he was, a, I feel like he felt he was an island in hip hop as a white guy. Yep. And then all of a sudden he found dudes that were like, we like you, we like this. I remember we took him out to his birthday, I think when he turned like 21, we threw him this wow. big old party. We had it like that. I had it like that. Mm-hmm. Put everything on the card. So somebody had it like that. It wasn't my car, but we had it like that, you know? And we were like, yo, we celebrated this dude. Yeah. I love this dude like that. You know, I was like, yo, you're my, if you're my people, I'll do whatever I can. Yeah. If you need 10 bucks and I only got five, I'll give you my five and I'll go f- steal the other five or borrow the other five. Yeah, yeah. And that's real talk. And anybody who really is my people, test it, you'll find out. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll see that it's it's real. People know that. So there was no, you think in a million years, I could have thought we're going to make a band and sell a million records. Are you fucking kidding? Bro, that's not even, that's, that's fantasy shit. I yeah. didn't even, I didn't dream that big. I didn't even care. I was just trying to like, you're, you're a dude that I, I, I admire for your rhyming skills. I know your deals up. I remember when he got his first Sentra and was living in, in, in Studio City with yeah. D-Rock D and then he crashed his car and the deal was done and I, it was, it was over. Yeah. So I wasn't on the dick for any other reason than I, I was like, yo, you're a B-boy. You're, I remember mm-hmm. you come. What can I do? Yeah. Rock with us. We got you. Yeah. You know, it was like that. There was no Fuck, again. Man. And so he started getting like, you know, acclimated with how we were doing that Mickey Mouse Club shit, which was mostly Irish dudes, a few black dudes, a few Mexican dudes. But there was like that kind of look and aesthetic and vibe yeah flannels and dickies and 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 just dudes that would we would we would we would we would thump 
We go yeah. to clubs and someone would give you lip. It was over. Mm-hmm. It was like out of the woodworks, 15 dudes are just eating your lunch. Yeah. You're like, what in the hell just happened? Like, yeah. yo, he says something to Snoops. You know, he says something to Gator. It's yeah. over. It's like all, all of a sudden it was like, you know. And Eric was with you guys hanging yeah. out. Yeah. So I think the first time he saw dudes that will actually fight for you and not ask anything in return mm-hmm. except for friendship. Yeah. And so we did that. And then. He moved back after he stayed with us for a couple months, me and my cousin. He moved yeah. in with his girlfriend in Hollywood. And we had talked about doing the group, but it, it, it's kind of like I started doing a little bit of art, making some T-shirts for it yeah, or whatever. That's one thing. You're really artistic. You always make a, you always create, you've created so many things. We'll get into that in part two, but like you very have an artistic mind. And did you do any art in school or just that came no, out No, I, I had a friend who was, his, his other brothers were in Mickey Mouse Club with me, the Alec family. And there was like six of them brothers. And Terry was my original friend, which was my age, maybe one grade ahead. And he used to come to school every day in a new shirt. If a concert passed through Southern California, the next day he got the Madness shirt. Then he's got the Who. Then he's got Judas Priest. I'm like, bro, you going to concerts every night in eighth grade? What is going on? He's like, no, my dad's a silk screener. And I'm like, silk screener? I'm thinking like Chinese, like silk screen. What does that mean? Yeah. He's like, we print T-shirts, and these are off registration. This is back when you had to cut the design in Ruby, which okay. is this whole, there was no, <laughs> bro, I, did, yeah. I could do two hours just on this, this yeah. whole story. Long story longer, he's like, come to my dad's work. We have a bin fill of, filled with seconds, basically where the registration was off or they just mm-hmm. tested it on yeah. another shirt and they threw it's it in. Shirt, yeah. Bro, we went crazy. Can you imagine in seventh grade going to somebody's misprint bin with Madness, the specials, crazy, the Who, man. and they're like, you can have any of those. You're actually doing us a favor. We don't have to care. Wow. To I was like, oh, I'm going to be a silk screener when I grow up. <laughs> that was your shit right mm-hmm. then. And so I started realizing the power of tell. Uh, t- 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 the, you basically put a TV set in that era on your, on your, on your shirt. Yeah. It's a billboard. And I was like, I want to do that. And so I started doing like one color art. Cause that's every time you had a color in a t-shirt, you had to cut a separate screen for that by hand. Damn. Imagine it's like cutting Super stencils. Yeah. yeah, and then those all had to match up and register right. So you had, to, if you had, every color had a, a different screen. Yeah, and a computer didn't just burn that through like it does now. Where you print film, the film goes into the you know the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the emulsion. The emulsion gets camerized. It blows out with a high pressure. This was not. This was a little different. You had to cut that by hand, and you had to be precise. And then I started making T-shirts for like. Uh, Santa Barbara, they'd have this Isla Vista thing every year. They'd have a big blowout thing, and I would take T-shirts up there, like make corny, like Bart Simpson at the beer keg college shirts, yeah, and yeah. we'd sell them through the roof. I brought Eric up there one year too. We made like, or maybe he didn't come up there. I went up there, and made a couple thousand dollars in high school. Damn. Like just, I was always hustling and doing weirdo shit. Man. I was always like, which is shocking because I, then I spent the next twenty years after House of Pain, like literally not twenty, but ten years living on my knees. Couldn't think of a creative way to to dig myself out of a hole to save my life. So it's weird. You'd be so like always, you know, on point with like yeah. making maneuvers. And then for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything except for to do drugs, which we can get into later on the, on the, on the other end. But Damn, this is amazing. All man. of this started with 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 concepts, man. My whole life, I've been pulling shit out of thin air and then trying to figure out how I can bring it to existence and make it work. Yeah. And so with House of Pain, it started off with a bullshit little tape that I had 
for no apparent reason made a J card, which is just basically the 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 art that's inside of a cassette yeah. thing. A lot of times in the eighties, you you bring a few cassettes with you to the to the. Someone would pick you up, and you're like, "I'm bringing my cuts so that we could listen to this record tonight." Because if otherwise, we'll have to listen to that record yeah. on, on. And then I would leave it in the car, and they return it without the case. I'm like, "Yo!" So I would buy the empty cases, and then I would re. Scan, not scan. I would at work. I could uh, on the Xerox copier yeah, kind of recreate my own little J card for it. Sick. It was so silly, but that's how the House of Pain kind of got together. As far as that, I, it was my concept. And then I started working on logos, which Rick Kloss from Fresh Jive helped me with the first one. Like I laid it out and cut and paste. I was that's where I like learned to love the Sex Pistols later on. Whereas I look back and I was like, all that Jamie Reed stuff was cut and paste. You know, I took uh -huh. a Mickey's logo. And I told Rick, I want to match that font, but I want it to say House of Pain. And I want it to say Fine Malt Lyrics instead of Fine Malt Liquor. And then I want it to say, it used to say like a new fresh twist off cap. And I, originally it said new fresh twist on rap or something. It was uh, some like, uh -huh. it was corny, but it was like, it represented us. It was like yeah. Irish. I changed the middle to the, you know, to a bigger shamrock with yeah. the fl Irish flag behind it. But at the time, I mean, we were rocking like all that. We were wearing, you know, cholo shit with I Ireland hat patches on the hat or, you know. Yeah. We were like, you know, little like, uh, you know, like Westies and stuff. You Irish know, in my mind, shit, yeah. yeah, it was like a state of grace thing. When that came out, we were like, man, we were years ahead <laughs> of the curve because we felt like that. We felt like a bunch of like ragtag Irish dudes. And uh, and I and, and the next, thing, I apologize because I didn't know, you know, we were gonna do. And I, I I'm always willing to tell my story. Unfortunately, I got I, I got a. This will be the end another, of another thing, but I got to tell you this, man, um, and this is a good segue because we can get right back into where cool. it picks up. I had, I had already been, in my mind, invested in, in the culture of hip hop for close to 10 years, literally since I first heard, you know, uh, the Grandmaster Flash yeah. and, and, and Sugar Hill Gang. And all the while, everybody, it was always cool. The only flack I got were from other white kids. Who were gotcha. like, you know, wigger or what? They never said it to my face, but I know what they were of saying, not. you know. And then all of a sudden, when Public Enemy became a thing, and I bought that record as soon as it, I, I bought it sight unseen because I had heard about them, mm -hmm. and I bought "You're Gonna Get Yours" and my Uzi weighs a ton, Sick. twelve inch. And I remember playing it for my mother, and she hated it. And I was like, "It's great. That's why I, you hate it." Because <laughs> now I've, I've her musical tastes were always good, yeah. great Motown, but this was. Yeah. and she was like oh it's not her cup of tea which is at that, that yeah that's yeah. at the point where you're like yes if it offends parents this is my record True. but what that started to kick off was a lot of like malcolm uh, uh, Mal no it was kicking off a lot of farrakhan stuff X and Klan. five percenter stuff mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i started hearing white devil this and white devil that and i'm like whoa 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 so now i'm the problem like i i've been in here in the trenches like doing my thing from Uncle Jam's army parties. I was like the only white kid in the whole spot. Mm -hmm. The Sherman Square roller rink. When there was like a handful, you know, it would yeah. be like me, Eric, and and Brett Mazer. You know, epic. Yeah. Uh, very little. There was a, you could count on one hand the kids that were really in it, in it, and we were them. And now all of a sudden, I'm like getting those. They're joking, you know. Cats I was running with. What's up, White Devil? I'm like White Devil. Come on, man. And it was starting to spread. The narrative going on. Yeah. That's when I went home and I told my mother, "What am I?" She's like, "What? I'm like, what, what? What are we?" Do we ever have, you know, anything to do with slavery? She's like, dummy, you came, your, your grandparents came here 50 years ago from Ireland. We left Ireland because you're Catholic and they, you know, they, they were oppressed. And so mm -hmm. we came here, they came here for a better life. Your father, when he was in the Attica riots, actually 
will refuse to participate in that in the, in 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 the race riot and and actually defended somebody with a shovel, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, okay, cool. So now I felt like fuck that. I'm Irish, like you you telling all I'm hearing is I'm the problem, mm-hmm. but we came from our own problems to try to find a better life and yeah. assimilate as well. So for me, it was my thing to say like, I'm white and hip hop, but I'm Irish because you know what I mean? Like, this is who I am. And yeah. I'm gonna do what you're doing with, you know, the 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 black, you know, it's it felt like black power to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's fine as long as you're not trying to beat me over the head with it. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like yeah. I'm on your side in the in the trenches doing what we do. Yeah. In hip hop, I yeah. couldn't see past any of that shit. So yeah. for me, it was like a, it was like a, okay, here's who I am. So I don't know what what the pilgrims and 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 wasps from you know what I mean did. I'm getting painted with the brush for something that has nothing to do with me. And for me, and, and still in my heart of heart, and I don't know how it sounds. And we live in such a world where it's all everything is labeled. But I feel like when somebody says white, what does that mean? Because mm-hmm. there's so many different flavors yeah. of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you just came from the Ukraine, are you white? I don't know. Or are you Ukrainian? Or, or do we look at you? As, you know what I mean? If you're from Bosnia and you're yeah. Muslim and you're white, or, uh, what, are you responsible? I don't. You know what I mean? It just gets mm-hmm. messy. Yeah. And at a time where I was still in that like bubble of like, I'm just a B-boy and everything else is, is I didn't do politics and all that. So it was like, I'm Irish and we're going to roll with this. So I don't want you to think anything other than what I am. So here's who I am. Um, I'm a middle class kid from suburban neighborhood who's involved in like a little bullshit street, you know, shit yeah. uh, in, the, in the punk rock gang thing. And we're now, we have a band. So the way Suicidal has a, a gang with their band, we're now a band who has a gang as well. Mm-hmm. And this is who we are. And that's really the impetus for, for me for House of Pain. That had nothing to do with Everlast because I don't think he was even... Yeah. We were on the same wavelength when it comes to what our purpose to do. Yeah. He often cites that it's from the island of Dr. Moreau, the, the book, you know, that the, the name came from. But that's not true because he got the name from me. And I'm telling you, it came from Oingo Boingo. That's crazy. And it's just is what it is. And you yeah. can Google the show. Where it was at the Greek uh, in the 80s. And so that's where, it, you know. So, again, as we move forward, I'll tell you how. You know, we yeah, yeah. we carved our little niche in that. And what we did was we woke up millions of kids who felt the same way, who was like, maybe their parents like, I don't want you listening to that music, and maybe their peers are like, that's for the brothers, what are you, what are mm-hmm. you doing with that? And the Beastie Boys were a great, uh, you know, kicked down a lot of doors for making it accept- yeah. acceptable, but there still was not that like harder version of that. Mm-hmm. So if you were alpha male, which now is like, again, air quotes of the toxic masculinity, masculinity, like I don't feel that way. I feel, and I know you and me might have different opinions on that, but that's cool. But I feel like, yo, bro, we we survived in an era where you had to be masculine yeah. to get over and to be involved. Because you get washed out if you weren't. Yeah. We, 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 it's like only the strong survive in Especially that you era. Especially when you came out for sure. And right? we were punching fuckers out their shirts. I mean, it was like, we put our hands on everybody got in our way and that's that's yeah. fact. I mean, short of the Booyah tribe, everybody was suspect. You know, everybody could get it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'll stop with the Booyah tribe and I'm sure there's a, a bunch of other groups that got like <laughs> brolic dudes. But I, short of the Booyah tribe, I'm not, I'll, I'll mix it up with whoever wanted. Like, yeah. for, for real, for real. Uh, and still will, unfortunately. Yeah. You know? Because you came to, in there kind of with something to prove at that point. Yeah, like, of course. Our backs were against the wall. Yeah. You know, and I, I felt like nobody had really just like just went with it 
that way. Yeah. And our and the way Eric wrote was genius because it had that cadence and it had that aggression yeah. and it was it was piggybacked off of Cypress's shit. And they were also like, here's this Latin group that's coming out of has a New York style, but it's coming out of LA same per se guys. with and same with us. And it was the perfect pairing in that time. But for me, I had always been on that like that rah rah white boy shit. And not as a racist, as a as just being proud of being a white boy who could actually thrive in a hostile environment, which was hip hop. It wasn't all Fresh Prince and, 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 and you know, that I didn't see yeah. that type of hip-hop. That hip-hop yeah. was garbage to me. Like, we were at the, like, we were in the cut mm-hmm. with Bloods and Crips going at it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in the middle just to see, like, UTFO play at the, at, in Reseda. <laughs> like, yeah. bro, it wasn't like, you know, we were going to the forum to see Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. You couldn't have paid me to go see that. Yeah. And that's all due respect to Will Smith and, and Jazzy Jeff, but yeah. that's just not my flavor of hip-hop. Yeah. So. And when you guys came out, you guys looked like, I thought you were a, a New York group. And that, that was definitely now. Now hearing your story, it's definitely your influence. Like you guys look like Parker kids and shit. It, yeah, was, crazy. it was intentional though. I mean, we were that was we were you know. And the, again, you the state of grace thing had came out already. It's in my mind. I was already in three quarter length leather jackets and fedora hats. That's right. Trying to do, you know, the Irish mob and Hell's Kitchen thing meets suicidal tendency thing. It's mm-hmm. all in there. It's all in the soup, bro. Yeah. It's all in the sausage. I mean, it really is. It's all all those little influences are are intentionally yeah. being represented, and so are the outsiders. So is the denim vest, and then they, I saw that in hip hop early on with Lee jackets and, and yeah. Levi's. So they had, there's a lot of crossover in, in that kind of that kind of look. Yeah, the Canadian tuxedo, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is great. This is gonna be part one of me and Danny. What well, this is fucking awesome. I could talk to you for hours. I learned so much uh, about you in fucking 55 minutes. So we're gonna have a part two coming, everybody. And um, yeah, I'm fucking stoked. Thank you, Danny boy. This hey, is uh, my pleasure, my man. Give me one for the for the book of faces. I'm trying to take a picture of Toby right now with those gold teeth he got going. He got those teethuses. Good uh, stuff, my man. I'm gonna pause this, but thank you, thank you, Dave. This is part one, everybody. Fuck, what are you doing later? We're gonna have to meet up. That's this it. Is Come crazy. on. <laughs> All right, awesome. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe if you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast. Please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.